Welcome to Modern Animism, a holistic spiritual path. I'm your host, Laura Giles. Thanks for tuning in. I want to talk about uh, healing ancestral trauma. A lot of people are looking at animism for that reason, and they want to be proactive about not creating more trauma to hand down to their descendants. And while this can be a spiritual issue, it doesn't have to be, so I'm going to tackle this from a trauma therapist perspective today. So let's take a moment to give gratitude to the ancestors and elements. I acknowledge and thank the element of earth for our bodies, home, food, and beauty and sensuous pleasures that make human life all that it is. I thank you for boundaries, a strong foundation, and all the things that keep us firmly grounded. I acknowledge and thank the element of air for inspiring us with ideas and helping us communicate with our ancestors and each other. Thank you for all the intangible parts of human life that keeps things mysterious and hard to pin down. Acknowledge and thank the element of fire for our power, desire, and ability to manifest things in a responsible way. Thank you for that passion that keeps us going. Acknowledge the element of water for the feelings that give us feedback on what we're doing and guidance on what to do next. I appreciate the flexibility of water that lets us go into deep, dark, low places and purifies us all. I acknowledge and thank our loving, helping ancestors from the human, plant, animal, and mineral kingdoms. I thank you for all the help we receive that is both seen and unseen. I thank our listening community for being here today, so thank all of you. So happy to have you here and um, to get all the input, questions, and donations. So we're all volunteers here, and we have tons of projects in the works, and we've been working on for a while, but I think they're starting to be visible to you if you're paying attention. Um, we all work, so we give what is left to Pan Society because, you know, we got to eat. Um, so it's slow going, and your donations help to bring these projects to life. It's little things, like we have a Zoom account now, and we meet with people face-to-face. We're creating songs and rituals and more done-for-you types of projects uh, to help us feel more like a tribe and make it easier for people to engage in rituals uh, if you have no experience in things like this. So we're creating tangible things that we can sell so that we're not always relying upon donations because we want to be sustainable. So if our show inspires you or helps you, please consider donating to keep us going so we can keep doing these things. And if you want to help with a financial donation, you can do that on our website at pansociety.net at the bottom of the page. So there's two buttons. One is for PayPal. The other one's for Buy Me a Coffee, and it's buymeacoffee.com forward slash pansociety. Either one of those will get you there. So um, thank you for that. So I should probably start um, by letting you know what my background is in trauma treatment. Um, Some of you know that I'm a trauma therapist, and I've been doing this work for over 20 years. I've worked in all kinds of trauma, so domestic violence, sexual assault, um, sex offenders. um, I've worked in a psych hospital, in a prison. So I've done a lot of everything, but it's always been around um, trauma. And... um, I am a holistic therapist, which means that I do stuff that's mind, body, and spirit. So it may not be the stuff that you're used to. Uh, And I also need to touch on what's ancestral healing, just in case that's a new concept for you. But basically, it's the idea that trauma is passed down from generation to generation and that your issues could be hundreds or even thousands of years old. And as each generation passes it down, the burden becomes heavier and heavier until it's crippling. So my take is that's why suicide is so prevalent today. There's also the environmental factor because it's just so toxic. So our bodies are just not real clean. So how can our spirits be clean? But I think both of those are real big contributors to why suicide rates up. Um, From a spiritual sense, 
uh, intergenerational trauma happens because someone way back when had an issue. Maybe it was addiction, sexual abuse, oppression due to religion, racism, gender, sexual orientation. Maybe it was exposure to violence through war or domestic violence. It could have been exposure to genocide, slavery, the loss of a parent. Or it could be something less severe, like uh, issues with your mom. You'd say your mom was home with you, but she was mentally ill, and sometimes she was warm and compassionate. Sometimes she was stormy and rejecting. So a lot of times we don't think of those kinds of things as trauma. So there's what we call big T trauma, which is genocide, and I was mugged. And then there's little T trauma, like the things that affect us personally, but maybe wouldn't affect someone else in the same situation. So it could be something like poverty, hunger, being cold all the time, just uncertainty and just not feeling safe could, could also do that. And those are the ones that we tend to ignore and um, not get treated because we think they're not a big deal, but they do in, impact our nervous system in the same way as the big T trauma. Um, with inherited illnesses, the genetic code is altered. With inherited trauma, the genes are literally modified without changing the genetic code. So these, there's these chemical tags attached to the genes that turn them on and off. Probably heard of that before. And it appears that these are passed down to children. For example, children of Confederate POWs had higher mortality rates than those whose fathers were not POWs. And that's an 11% increase that can't be explained by socioeconomic factors like income or marital status. And this pattern went from father to son, but only to the sons born after the war. Uh, to see another example of how epigenetics works, there was a study on male mice who were zapped with electricity when they were exposed to the scent of cherry blossoms. So we got a classic Pavlov dogs kind of thing going on. And these mice were bred to females had baby mice who were taken away from the mothers and reared by foster moms who had never smelled cherry blossoms. And they did that so that they can't say that it was uh, moms taught them how to do this. Uh, and when those babies were exposed to the cherry blossom scent, they became anxious. And the brains of those baby mice had more neurons to detect cherry blossom scents than non-exposed mice. So isn't that interesting? I think that's super interesting. And the following generations didn't have a fear of cherry blossom smells, but they had more sensitivity to it. And this is something to think about when talking about highly sensitive people, isn't it? You wonder how do people get this? Well, they probably have more neurons for certain things. Anyway, so what happens biologically is also happening on the environmental level and the spiritual level. So clearly if I'm an anxious person, I have a pretty good chance of teaching my children how to have anxious behaviors because of modeling, because they do what they see, right? On a spiritual level, what I have seen as a past life regression therapist is that we don't die and everything's wiped clean. When we die, we carry unresolved patterns with us. It may be that we die, it's forgotten, and then we come back into the physical form, have to pick it up again. But either way, there's no get-out-of-jail-free card. It's yours until you heal it and put it down. So we not only pass our stuff down, we also pass it down to our future selves, if you believe in that. So it's a good reason to heal your stuff as you go. So how does the healing part work? Well, everything's holistic. And our spiritual part is the intangible part that's always connected to source. So that's the part of the oneness. And if something exists in this energetic or you can say spiritual realm, it will manifest in the physical realm. Our mental parts are thoughts. Thoughts create things. You have to be able to think about something for it to be part of our reality. And our emotions are the ability to feel things. So our physical being is our bodies. And the energetic part of trauma that's stuck is usually fear, but some emotion. And that lives in our bodies and can be passed down from parent to child or lifetime to lifetime. 
So holistic healing is about tackling health from a mind, body, emotions, and spirit uh, perspective, not just one. So it's seeing the person as a whole being. So hopefully what happens is that you remove all of that stuff from all of those levels. Um, But if you are working holistically and you work on just even more than one, it's going to happen more quickly and more thoroughly. Uh, Now, if the healing takes part on the spiritual level, it can manifest on the physical level instantaneously. So we've all heard stories about people who've had some crazy disease, right? They did some praying, energy healing, meditating, self-hypnosis, something. And then within a short time, say a couple of days, all traces of that disease were gone. Or maybe even in an instant, like when you hear the stories of spontaneous healing happen in a church when you get that heal kind of thing, that's what's happening. If you remove it from the level of spirit, it's gone from the physical body. And it can't exist in the physical if it's not in the spiritual. So what this means is that if you remove it on an energetic level, it's gone. It can not only be gone from you, but anyone else in your ancestral line who also has it. If you've ever done energy healing in a room full of people, and say you're working on fear flying, or it could be anything, and anyone else in the room who has that fear flying, when it, it's removed from the target, it will be, it has the potential to be removed from everybody else in the room who has it. So that's kind of crazy, right? Uh, it's because we're in resonance. If, if I'm resonating with you and you pull that thread and boop, it's gone, it's gone from you too. The reason why we try to heal the person who kicked off the undesirable pattern, so the ancestor, is that if you get it at the source, it'll take out all traces of it. So if it was grandpa who had the gambling issue, then we heal grandpa. Any of his children and grandchildren who are, are, were impacted may also be healed. I say may because of free will. So if I'm a thief and there's some secondary gain and I really want to hold on to that, I can choose to keep that energy around. For example, and this doesn't happen often, but I had a client um, who once saw himself as a chieftain of a warring clan when we were doing past life regression. I can't remember the specifics of the story because it was so long ago, but he was ambitious. He liked conquering people and subjugating people, and I think he was eventually beaten and killed. And at his death, so we go over the lifetime, um, just for learning and you know tying it all together, and he didn't have any regrets other than he wasn't more successful at conquering. Now, that's a choice. <laughs> if that's your choice, you don't have to let go of anything. No one heals you. All healing is self-healing. To illustrate what I mean, there's a story about a pilgrim who goes to a temple to learn about detachment. He comes into the courtyard, and a man runs up to a pillar and grabs it and starts screaming, let me go, let me go. And the pilgrim is thinking, have I come to a temple or a madhouse? And he goes up to the screaming man and says, the pillar isn't holding onto you, you're holding onto it. And that's what I'm talking about, about healing yourself. It's not something that someone else can do for you. They can give you a pill to make you feel better, perform an operation, or do some hocus pocus, but you have to participate in it. Don't we all know people who go to these doctors and helpers who never make any progress? So maybe they're invested in their sickness. Sometimes, I, I definitely have seen this as a therapist. Sometimes people have been sick so long that that's their identity, and they don't know who they'll be if they're not sick. So we've all heard stories about doctors who tell their patients um, some dire diagnosis and they tell them they have a short time to live, and next thing you know, they slide downhill really fast, even if they were thriving before, and then they're gone. It's about belief and permission. So be careful what information you let in and believe in yourself and your own healing. Don't give that power to other people. 
Give permission for yourself to have a healthy, vibrant life. And if you don't believe it, there's nothing a third party can do for you. No one's that powerful. It's up to you. You are the healer. Um, that was a little diversion. I wasn't planning on taking it, but um, <laughs> so the past life. Uh, what tends to happen is that we rise above the scene, and like the guy who's holding on to the pillar, we see things for what they are, and we let go. So that's the mental piece. That's, aha, uh-huh, I got it. I'm clicking up. It's clicking and it's putting the pieces together. So we let go of our need to be right, our desire for justice, our victim posture, whatever it is that's keeping us stuck, and we forgive, move into a place of love, compassion, and move on. So it could be that simple. So when uh, we have someone to do this work with us uh, or for us, it's like going for the fifth. I want to click six. And I'm not sure of the implications of this. I believe we have to do our own work. We have to go through the process of integration it's like people who get cancer get it cut out and get cancer again. If you leave the root of whatever it was that started the problem in place, it's just going to come back. So I think it's important to have some skin in the game, to do your own work, to participate in the process, to uh, change on all of those levels, change your thinking, change your behavior, change your whatever, environment. Um, well, this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to become an animist, set up an ancestor shrine, or... Um, start an ancestral veneration practice, that's a gigantic commitment. So let me tell you what I do when someone has this issue, so as a trauma, okay? They do this thing called personal therapy. Um, it works for this life, past lives, ancestral stuff, things like that. Have you ever thought about how the brain knows what is now, what's the past, and what's the future? I mean, memories are organized so that we know that kindergarten was a lot longer ago than high school, right? How does it know? But there's a process to that. And part of what happens in trauma is that the process is interrupted. So the memory wasn't filed away as done. So it sits in front of you like it's an ongoing event, and your body stays in a state of hyper or hypoarousal in response to that. It's always on high alert and can go from 0 to 60 instantaneously. Events that don't overwhelm the nervous system get filed away correctly and orderly. That's how it's supposed to work. And when trauma memories are revolved, they also get filed away. So with timeline therapy, we reorganize your perception of time so that things that were in the past are in the past. And they're distant from you instead of bothering you like it's happening right now. And memories are reorganized so that your body feels like they're done, like it's not happening now, you survived, and you're safe now. And from that place, it's easier to move forward with the learning and the healing. Now you can tell that something happened yesterday. But if the root from when you, is from when you were 15, anything from last week and back probably is not going to be touched. So uh, it's best to go where the source is. If the source is your parents, you can start with them because they are in you. So I know there's this uh, um, consent thing, right? It's like, well, can I heal my parents without the consent? If it's your issue and it starts with them, then my take on the consent is that you don't need, the issue, don't need their permission because your intent is not to heal them but yourself. They can hold on to their stuff if they want to. Uh, if it's your grandparents or anyone in your family tree, you can do it for them too. And it doesn't matter if they're on this side of the veil or, or if they've passed on. And this might sound like voodoo or something. It's energetic for sure. I really can't say how it works, but it is a feminine way of healing, so it's not talk therapy. Even though we're talking, that's not what makes the magic happen. It's a way of accessing memories and events on an energetic or spiritual level and creating deep changes in your whole body, your memories, your relationship with the world. 
So for a simple and common example, and I'm making this up, but this is representative of some of the types of things that happen. But let's say that someone feels unlovable because of parental neglect. They say that if they just had support and attention from their parents, this would be different. They wouldn't feel this way. So almost nobody goes their whole life without this. So we find it in their timeline because it's there. It exists. And we deeply embed it by going back generations and bringing it forth through everyone. So everyone has everything inside. Everybody's whole. So even though you might have a ton of garbage, you also have a ton of blessings. It's all a matter on what you choose to focus on. So we can find it. It's not hard. And when we strengthen it within the person and you start to see it and there's, you start to see their stories change. It's not like they make up new stories like it didn't happen. They start to see things from a different perspective. So let's say dad always um, has, he's always at work. And that goes from feeling neglected by dad because he wasn't home to seeing that he did it to provide. And so changing the meaning, meaning that he cared. Or that maybe mom was really neglectful, but instead of seeing the 10 times she wasn't there, the three that she was shine brighter and feel more meaningful. And maybe you just have more grace for the times that she couldn't be there because you see her struggle. So you gain balance, compassion, forgiveness, and that kind of thing. And you're a part of the process and you're part of the story. And this is super important. In animist cultures, there's often a family historian or a story keeper. And this person is responsible for keeping the stories of the dead and helping to define who the family is and maybe the clan or the tribe. So, and, and you're your own story keeper as well. So how you frame a story is everything. So I don't mean embellish or make things up. It's about what details you put in and what you leave out and how you make meaning of it. So this is not to say that we wear, wear rose-colored glasses. It's more about being mindful. It's the difference between Viktor Frankl's story of Auschwitz that helped him to survive and those who were in there with him who died in the concentration camp. So what I'm saying is it's not the events that happened, but the story about what it means. So if you endured oppression and your story is that people are hateful, life sucks, guess what? You're going to suffer. If you endure oppression and your story is that it's teaching you compassion, you won't. If you struggle every day to make ends meet and take care of your kids and you see it as a burden, as a loss of life, a lament that it's never your turn, you're going to struggle and maybe create some ancestral baggage. If you see it as a joy to provide for your family and a blessing that you can all be together, that gratitude could mean that those chemicals that turn on that trauma response never get turned on. Seriously. So that's the mental piece of healing trauma. Your thoughts have to change to make this happen. And thoughts changing can sometimes be the key for the whole Jenga tower falling down and healing starts to happen. For example, in past life regression, seeing the roots of the issue and having some distance from it can be enough to create change. That happens all the time. Often, though, there needs to be a second step, and that's to remove that energy from the body. Since we've already got it primed by the regression session, all we have to do is pull a string and it'll let go. So when that happens, the body responds in some physical way. So you're starting to see the holistic piece. So we got the mind, body, and spirit all working together. So your butt, you tear up, you shake, something happens physically. And I once personally had a regression that was really profound. So I was immobilized for like eight hours afterwards. I'm curled up in a corner. I'm crying. I'm just awash with grief. And I didn't want to let go. I didn't want to heal. I didn't want to move on, which is why it was stuck in the first place. And then I was all cried out. And it was all gone. And that was it. Just like, poof, done. So your body has to feel the emotional piece of whatever it was. And it, could, it takes as long as it takes. 
And this can be a subtle release, like your lips quivering, or it can be a huge one, like me crying in the corner. And it can leak for days or even weeks, but the body has to let it go. And it's your process. The energy is held in your body, so you have to be a participant in the healing process. And you're always the hero of your own story. So it doesn't matter what happens. The story isn't done until you're dead. So every day is, is a new page. And you can fall 20 times, but as long as you get back up, you're still telling the story. So it doesn't matter what happened in the past. All of those days are behind you. You have today. And your victories can be that you got out of bed some days. You know, maybe that's all you could do. Or maybe it's that you reared your kids despite a lot of hardships. Or that you endured a lot of abuse but you're still grateful. So trust me when I tell you that it's not about who dies with the most toys. It's about did we have a mindful ride? Did I remember my light and share it? And if you did, you did well. Don't leave a mess for other people because it comes back to you. So live well, die well. And if you have a pile of crap that you're carrying around right now, do something about it. You can put it down. So, I've talked about some ways to heal your ancestral baggage. There's others. I know someone who uses Ho'oponopono. This is a Huna energy practice that seems to be about working um, through embracing the oneness and all the things um, uh, like having compassion and forgiveness, those kinds of things. Uh, I know somebody who uses loving kindness. There's a loving kindness video on our YouTube channel, so if you're not familiar with that, you can check that out there. There are people who do energy healing modalities like body talk, emotional freedom technique, or Reiki. Trauma therapy techniques like EMDR and somatic experiencing might help. And, of course, you have the shamanic healing practices. So I don't know what's going to work for you. could be anything. Um, if you think you need this, do some investigating. See what speaks to you. And if you don't get it the first time, try something else. Healing is available. So I guess I want to reiterate that if you're coming to animism to ease your emotional burden, it's a big commitment just to gain that. You can clean up your intergenerational trauma without becoming an animist. If you're drawn to animist because of animism because it appeals to you on all levels, then maybe you want to explore more. There's a lot here that can help you avoid making messes that carry over lifetime to lifetime and generation to generation. Rituals and things help you to clean up stuff as you go. But it's a lifestyle, so it's not something to take on lightly. If you want to deepen your practice of animism or just get started and you want a mentor, you can check out pansociety.org where we're revamping our online academy. It is moving slowly. We have lots of ambition, not a lot of money. But it is moving, and it's going to be available soon. We're, we're making it more um, user-friendly. So uh, We're also on Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, and this podcast. We'd love your feedback and hear, hearing from you. And if you want to join the conversation, which we would also love, come over to our private Facebook page and let us hear from you. I'd like to close by sending gratitude to you, the elements, and our loving, helping ancestors. If you found this helpful, consider donating, as we do need your financial and emotional support. And you can do that on our website at pansociety.net. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Laura Giles for Pan Society Radio. Hope you're healing that ancestral baggage and living well. See you next week. Bye.